Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. Our essay this week is called Stop Pretending, From Lenten Ash to Easter Light. It's a guest essay by Sarah Miles. Sarah Miles is Director of Ministry at St. Gregory Nyssa Episcopal Church in San Francisco. And she's also the author of two books that I've reviewed here at Journey with Jesus. First of all, a book called Take This Bread. And secondly, a book called Jesus Freak, Feeding, Healing, Raising the Dead. Sarah's essay is based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, April 17, 2011, Palm Sunday, or in some churches, Passion Sunday. Just about 40 days ago, I walked with a dozen people in black cassocks around the busy, crowded streets of the Mission District in San Francisco, carrying little jars of ashes made from the burned-up palms of last year's Palm Sunday. We went into the dollar stores, taquerias, alleys, bakeries, bars, the parking lot where gangbangers deal dope, offering ashes to everyone we saw. Remember your dust, I'd say, in English or Spanish, and to dust you shall return. I touched hundreds and hundreds of faces that day. A guy in a pickup truck at the light, a girl on a tricycle, an elderly woman getting her hair done. McDonald's was crowded with teenagers and fry cooks and families buying cheap fast food, and people reached out to us. A woman unwrapped her tiny baby, a week and a half old, and held him up. I crossed his forehead with ashes and took a deep breath and told the baby he was going to die. And then his mother, like every single person who leaned forward to receive ashes that day, said, Thank you. Why would you say thank you? when a stranger tells you you're going to die. Because it's the truth. And ashes on skin show that, despite all the lies of our culture, nothing is hidden or pretend or made up anymore. We are walking, as the gospel tells us, in the light. Today, 40 days later, most churches will process outside again with palm fronds to see once more if we can face the truth. And this time, Jesus will be raising the stakes because it's not just facing our own mortality. No, Palm Sunday means acknowledging how we will try to kill our God. Palm Sunday is often combined with Passion Sunday, from the Latin passio, to suffer. God's passion is the conscious suffering that Jesus willingly takes on when he rides the donkey up to Jerusalem, is honored as a king, and then, in short order, is betrayed by his friends, tortured, and executed. The compassion suffering with that Jesus models through it all 
is about the willingness to face and absorb the hard truths of human violence and pride and weakness, and to love and forgive and stay with us anyway, so that sin and death will have no more power. His passion is not sentimental, but fierce. It goes all the way. Following Jesus on this path to new life means we have to stop pretending. The truth is that your baby will eventually die. That you can't always prevent the pain of your family or friends. That loved ones as well as strangers will betray you. And that you will hurt and fail others. That's the passion of humanity. Today, may we see it with Jesus' compassion, forgiving and loving as he does. As we process outside our churches, may we see how much we have in common with all of Jesus' beloved people. The shoppers at the supermarket, and the non-believers at the bus stop, and every random person who happens to be doing errands on Palm Sunday, each bearing her own cross, May we see how much we are like the crowd who hails Jesus with palm branches, then screams for his death. May we face the beauty and sadness of humanity and not turn away. And so we walk out of the ashes, out of Lent, out the doors of church, into the suffering world. Walk in the light, children. Run toward the crazy, blazing light of Easter. Every terrible thing we've done, every mistake, every hurt is redeemed. And life eternal is all around us. Thank you. A guest essay by Sarah Miles, Stop Pretending, From Lenten Ash to Easter Light. For books this week, I review a novel by Philip Roth. The title is Nemesis. New York, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, 2010, 280 pages. Nemesis, you might remember, was the Greek goddess of divine vengeance for human pride which at least makes some sense in the moral calculus of the world. The protagonist of this novel struggles with a worse fate, though, making sense of undeserved evil. Bucky Cantor, age 23, is the playground director when a polio epidemic ravages inner-city Newark in the sweltering summer of 1944. His greatest regret is that poor vision prevented him from joining his buddies Dave and Jake in the war effort overseas. As it is, he's left behind to fight a different kind of war, both medical and moral. For at that time, polio had no known cure or prevention. Bucky Cantor did not enjoy an idyllic childhood. His mother, his mother died in childbirth, and his father was a thief and a gambler. But under the care of his grandparents, he developed into a responsible young man who was a hero to his playground youngsters. 
When polio took Alan Michael, age 12, Bucky questioned the scales of divine justice and the role of human agency. Perhaps he could have protected his kids by closing the playground. Scapegoating, hysteria, and anger divided the neighborhood. Didn't those so-called Italian WAP bastards bring the virus to their neighborhood? Or maybe it was Sid's filthy hot dog stand. And where was the health department? Perhaps the disease spread from handling money or mail? The flies, mosquitoes, and even the disabled Horace with his dirty hygiene all incurred blame. It all made Bucky start hating God, which was confusing his emotions and making him feel very strange. Fleeing Newark for the clean and cool air of the Pocomo Mountains 70 miles away at Indian Hills Summer Camp aggravated this moral quandary. Bucky joined the camp staff with his girlfriend, Marcia, but quitting Newark felt like an inexcusable act of cowardice. Getting engaged to Marcia almost made him forget about God and polio, but was forgetting any way to live. Indian Hill was idyllic, which was precisely the problem. It left Bucky feeling like he no longer had a conscience he could live with. His conscience, though, remained very much alive when polio came to, of all places, Indian Hill camp. And Bucky learned that he himself had carried the virus there. In the last few pages of the novel, Roth fast-forwards to 1971 and introduces us to the narrator, Arnold Mesnikoff, who was a youngster under Bucky's playground care. They both have polio as adults, but they've parsed their fates in very different ways. Arnold is an atheist for whom fate and human choice are mere mysteries. Bucky has succumbed to guilt and bitterness. He has the aura of ineradicable failure about him, none of which was deserved for hubris, except perhaps for his exaggerated sense of responsibility. All of which makes for an interesting disquisition by Philip Roth on the problem of evil. The author is Philip Roth. The title of the novel, Nemesis. For film this week, we go to Bolivia in a f movie called Cocalero from 2007. On December 18, 2005, the Amarara Indian Evo Morales won 54% of the vote to become Bolivia's first indigenous president. This documentary film, a Sundance selection, follows his unlikely rise to power. Morales' political awakening came in the 1980s amidst the U.S.-led attempt to eradicate Bolivia's cocoa crop when he learned of a man who was doused with gasoline and burned alive by government soldiers. Without cocoa, one peasant observed, we have nothing. As an ardent socialist and anti-capitalist, Morales led the cocoa unions and the MAS political party in its remarkable grassroots campaign among the illiterate, the poor, the indigenous, and especially the women.
The most interesting scenes in the movie occur in Morales' rural village of El Chaper, where he was a farmer of bananas and rice, and where, in the final scene, his toothless mother chews on a cocoa leaf and wonders aloud, will he have to wear a suit and tie as president? The movie Cocolero is in Spanish with English subtitles. And finally, for Palm Sunday and the ending of Lent, we've posted a poem by Gerard Manley Hopkins. It's called The Habit of Perfection. Elected silence, sing to me and beat upon my world ear. Pipe me to pasture still and be the music that I care to hear. Shape nothing, lips. Be lovely dumb. It is the shut, the curfew sent from there where all surrenders come, which only makes you eloquent. Be shelled, eyes, with double dark, and find the uncreated light. This ruck and reel which you remark coils, keeps, and teases simple sight. Palate, the hutch of tasty lust, Desire not to be rinsed with wine. The can must be so sweet, the crust so fresh that come in fasts divine. Nostrils, your careless breath that spend upon the stir and keep of pride. What relish shall the censors send along the sanctuary side? O feel of primrose hands, O feet that want the yield of plushy sword, but you shall walk the golden street, and you unhouse and house the whole, the Lord. In poverty, be thou the bride, and now the marriage feast begun. In lily-colored clothes, provide your spouse not labored at, nor spun. Gerard Manley Hopkins, The Habit of Perfection. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, April 17, 2011, Palm Sunday. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.